and I would say, it doesn't mean anything until we write it down and we build an action plan to get there. And so for me, that's where the budget comes into place because if they don't have it in the plan, in the action plan phase, it's never gonna go anywhere. So create the goal, write it down, tell people about it, put it in strategic places, and then build an action plan to get there. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode, we're going to help you address overspending and share some ways for you to spend less. Now, I know, David, that we are almost finishing with the holiday season. I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll be Christmas. So some of our spending has already been done. Yes. And chances are there's been some overspending that's been done. That's right. Budgets may be currently a little bit challenged and constrained with the holiday spending. So this is a good time for us to talk about why sometimes we overspend. What causes it? How can we get a rein in on some of this overspending? Yeah, and we do want to say Merry Christmas to you and Happy Holidays and hope that you have a wonderful, happy new year. Uh, this episode will launch on probably December 24th, so the day before you know, Christmas Eve, yep. the day before Christmas. So uh, this is perfect timing because this is right at that place where, okay, all the all the gifts have already been purchased, yep. hopefully. Hopefully you're not still buying <laughs> There might be one or two other guys out there still looking for that gift. And, and I've been that guy on Christmas Eve. I, I won't deny it. This year, I got ahead of the curve, and uh, I've pretty much done all of my shopping. Even now, Ashley and I have done a lot of family shopping, right. but I've done pretty much all my shopping for Ashley. Good for you. And so, uh, and that's a couple of weeks. I know this is not airing on the yeah the day this airs. <laughs> go back a few so weeks. So you're an overachiever. Good for you, my I'm friend. an overachiever. I'm a few weeks ahead this year. Good for and, you. Uh, and all those packages are arriving on our doorstep. Uh, but really, the question is, you know, it, when I'm looking at my budget and I'm seeing that things may be a little bit constrained or challenged by the holiday parties and yeah. wanting to provide food and bring good food to different parties or buy gift exchange gifts. And then I, you know, you add in your aunts, uncles, mom, dad, brothers, mm-hmm. cousins, mm-hmm. all of a sudden your Christmas list gets a little out of control. You know, what causes us to overspend? And mm-hmm. that's what we really want to look at in this episode. What are the things that cause us to overspend? And then how can we look at a life that's a little bit more frugal and have a plan in place to deal with those things? Right, right. That's good because anytime that we can look at our financial situation and make tweaks to it and just learn from our behavior, sometimes yeah. it's good, sometimes it's not. And if we can learn from that, it helps us to just get better as, as time goes on. So let's just start with a quick overview, a mm-hmm. list of things that may cause overspending. Number one is having no budget. I mean, that is number one. If you don't have a budget, you are overspending. Yep. Number two is to have a static budget where you're not actually tracking your expenses. You have a budget, but it's static. You're not actually using it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is a a budget that doesn't actually even have an option to track expenses. It's just something like on a piece of paper with general ideas of what you want to spend. Another one is not tracking expenses often enough which causes you not to stay in the know, not really know what's really going on in every one of those areas of spending. Yep. Something that causes me to overspend is Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Amazon is kind of like Candyland. Uh, there's just stuff you can't live without. You get on there and Amen, it brother. recommends more <laughs> things for you. So yeah. the fourth thing to worry about is Amazon. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse all at the same time. That's right. Number five would be not having goals or specific enough goals. 
Yep. Number six is not defining what's important or what can wait. Not really having a full definition of what is an emergency. Mm, That's good. Also using credit cards. Uh, With the grace period that we get with credit cards, it's like a license to overspend. Uh, it's like saying, I'll have enough to pay for it next month. Yeah, using credit cards is definitely something that causes some people to overspend. Uh, number eight, not being aware of your emotions, your wants, and your desires, and then simply just giving into them. If you're not aware of it, then you can't maintain it. And then once you become aware, you've got to really buckle down and make some hard choices. Yeah. And the last one is food. And we picked on this one, of course, because it's the holiday season. But not planning meals or allowing yourself to eat out when you have food at home can really cause you to overspend. That's right. So we're going to look at these nine different things throughout this episode. And really, on some of them, give a little bit of a highlight. And on some of them, go a little bit deeper. Because these are the nine things that, as Leo and I you know, researched and spent time talking about this episode, mm-hmm. we said, what are the things that have caused us to overspend in the past? Right. Literally not living on any kind of written plan or maybe spending too much time on Amazon or other online retailers or food, just not having a plan in place. Yeah. So, yeah. so as we talked about what's influenced us and what we've seen through hundreds of coaching, probably thousands of coaching opportunities over the last decade or more, uh, these are the nine things that we really felt like the, this is what we not need to talk about. Mm-hmm. This is the place that we see people get affected the most often in overspending. Mm-hmm. So let's just t- dive into the first one, having no budget. And again, a budget helps you to plan your spending ahead of time so that it helps you from overspending. And it does that by allowing you to take all of the income that you have, break it into categories, and create a plan that allows you to spend in each one of those areas as if it's a separate category and a separate account all by its own. And by doing so, it allows you to better manage a larger income or an income that has, of course, a larger budget or a budget, of course, that's going to have multiple categories. Yeah, this is always going to be on Leo and I's heart because we know that it is foundational to everything that happens in our finances. Uh, This is what we started the podcast with. If you go all the way back, the first 10 episodes just about Mm -hmm. we're around budgeting and categories and why this is so important. And we've done updates as well throughout the years on why it matters to have that plan in place. This is the number one issue. If you do not have anything written down, if you do not have a plan in place, that is definitely going to lead to overspending. And I think probably the the part that it doesn't hurt the most in the moment, but it hurts you the most long term is the fact that because you didn't have a plan, you don't even realize that you're overspending. Right. And this is what I've run into so many times is I'll sit down with a couple or an individual and they'll begin to go over their numbers with me. And the numbers do not add up Mm -hmm. because they never had a plan in place. And when they chose their car payment and they chose what rent they were going to pay and they chose what school they're going to put their kids in, they weren't even thinking through the overall numbers. And so the numbers they chose don't fit their lifestyle, don't fit their income. And so I think the most painful part is you don't even know you're overspending. You think everything is fine. But there's so many little things that people don't think about if they don't have a purpose and a plan. Yep. And, and you know, simple things like replacement for your tires, uh, maintenance for your vehicle, saving for your next vehicle, and then saving long-term for retirement. If it's not in your plan, mm-hmm. then it will come back to bite you, yep. but you don't even know about it. It's like a ticking time bomb. So the yep. number one thing that causes us to overspend and has caused me to overspend in the past and I've witnessed over and over is just not having a budget. Yeah. And it, really think of it from the perspective is that you may be thinking, well, I'm not overspending. I'm sticking with the income that I'm making. 
but by not spending in the right areas, you're spending too much in an area. Let's say you're spending too much on your entertainment or on your car or transportation, housing, whatever yeah. it is. But if you're not saving for retirement, you're not putting money away for college, for your kids or things like that, you're overspending in the areas that you are spending in because you're not putting in money for the other ones. So technically, right. a budget will allow you to see what you are or are not putting money away for. Right. And by overspending is really that you're not putting money in every single bucket you should be putting money in. Yep. As we're talking right now, I just jumped onto leosebo.com and I clicked on the resources and then onto the creating your budget tool. And I just opened up that creating your budget tool to take a look at what all the guidelines are. And I remember sitting down with a guy probably five years ago, but it really stuck in my mind. And he told me, oh yeah, I've got a budget. I've got a plan in place. And he said, this is my income. And then he proceeded to tell me off the top of his head to the penny about 10 different places that he spent money. It may have been 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. He's like, I spend money here, 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 here. And he named it to the penny what he was spending in those areas. And he said, so look, I've got it. It's all in my head. I don't need to write it down. It's kind of mm -hmm. crazy. Like, yep. like, leave me alone. I don't need what you're selling. And I wasn't selling anything, but you know, yeah, yeah. I, don't need, I don't need this idea that you're trying to sell me, David. And so we sat down. I said, just... You know, just, yeah, just humor me. Humor me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we sat down and we began to actually write into the budget tool. And I'm looking at it right now on the website. I just downloaded it onto my computer. And we just went through net income and then giving. And just already line number two is like, oh, I didn't really have anything planned for that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, don't let's move on. Let's move on. I'm not here <laughs> to shame you, but like yeah. there's something you weren't thinking of. And as we went through, there was out of the, you know, he listed 12 things. But there's about six or seven other things that he had not planned for in his mental budget. Yeah. And so because he wasn't planning for them, every month he was overspending in those areas because he didn't even know he was spending in those areas. Right. And it can be really simple things like actually planning your holiday gifts in advance. Yes. At Christmas time, the average family is going to spend $1,000, mm -hmm. uh, at least 500 but honestly, probably $1,000 because you got mom, dad, brother, sister, kids, grandkids, cousins, best friend, Christmas party. And if you don't have a line item in your budget for that, then the fact that you don't have that line item yeah. means that when you get to Christmas, there's $500 or $1,000. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, it's one example. This is, a, yeah, we don't want to harp on it too much, but this is literally the number one reason for That's why we put it number one. And, and because we love you as our listeners, we want you to have a budget. We want you to have a plan in place. We want to make it as easy as possible. So jump over to leostable.com, go to resources, download the budget tool. Um, there's videos on there as well. We want to make it as easy as possible. Yes. All right, so number two is very much connected to number one, which is having a static budget will cause you to overspend, meaning that you're not tracking your expenses. So this goes along with what we said uh, just a minute ago. It's not tracking expenses that causes you to overspend because as David used in the example with the man that he was meeting with, he could not keep everything in his mind. There was things that he was missing. So you have to have a budget that allows you to track your expenses. And then number three is track your expenses in a way that allows you to stay in the know. So mm -hmm. each expense that you make should reflect that category and how much is left over. Yeah. So you know all the time, am I on target? Am I getting close to overspending so that you can stay within that balance? Yeah, this is really close to my heart because a lot of people will build a budget and we have the creating your budget tool so mm -hmm. that you can create your budget. Right. But once you've created it, it is a static document. It just mm -hmm. sits there. I have created a plan. 
Now Leo and I are talking about going to the next step and we have a second budget tool on the website. Yes. And with the yearly budget plan and you look at a whole annual perspective, you actually track what you're spending into the budget form. Mm -hmm. So you make a plan and then you track to see if what you're spending is actually hitting your plan. This tracking component is is yeah. so vital. And it's something I had never even heard of or thought of probably over 10 years ago when, mm -hmm. Leo, you first started introducing me to some of this stuff. Mm. And I had never thought about tracking. And now when I get up and do seminars and I teach and I do classes, it is it is the number one thing that I try to shift people's habits in. Right. Because if you will just track and write down what you're spending and begin to capture your receipts and put it into your budget, but you need a tool mm -hmm. that will allow you to do that. And a lot of budgets are static budgets where, oh, it's on a blank piece of paper and, or, you know, not blank piece, it's on a white piece of paper. And, and, and so, hey, I have that there. That's why you'll literally see on the website a create your budget tool. And then you'll see a tool that will actually allow you to live the budget. It's called the yearly budget tool. So that's the one you're going to live on and use. And I know it sounds funny. I know we're hitting the budget a lot early on in this, but you will overspend if you don't have these basic tools in place. Absolutely. So a couple of things about tracking expenses, why it's important to do it often enough is one is your memory isn't that good. <laughs> no one can remember everything they spend in the course of a month. We touched on this before, that we can only really remember seven things at the forefront of our mind. So if you have five, six, seven, 10 transactions the first few days of the month, by the time you get on you know, third or fourth or fifth of the month, you've already forgotten what you spent on the first. So the idea is there that you would have a record of it and you can yep. the math is done for you so it's easy to stay on track. It also helps you stay accountable because if you know where you are, it prevents you from making a mistake. It makes you think twice about, gosh, I'm getting close to that $50 limit that mm -hmm. I set on this category. Mm -hmm. If I'm at 48, okay, I got to stop. Right? Yeah. And so if you know you're going to track it and you know you're going to write it down, mm -hmm. then as you're at the store, you'll be looking at an object about to make a purchase mm -hmm. and actually end up putting that object back on the shelf because you know, I'm going to have to write this down later. Yep. Especially if you're married and you're tracking together, which is the ideal scenario. That's where real financial unity and incredible communication happens. Sure. Uh, if you If you know you're going to have to write this down later, it will cause you to spend less. You will think twice about some of your purchases. Yeah, that's so true. All right, so the next one is, gosh, I think we could spend probably more than a, <laughs> more than one episode on this, and that's Amazon. Ooh. This is one area, when I'm working with clients, this is one area where that miscellaneous category just blows up, and it's because I see these receipts as they're tracking expenses and we stay together and, and kind of go through month by month. Those are the items that are really hard to rein in. Amazon is a wealth of products. Every single person can find hundred, literally hundreds, and if not thousands of things that they could buy on there that they could use. It's a wonderful place to go and get savings and provide the things that you need. Unfortunately, it's also a very deep hole uh, that you could <laughs> fall down yes. and you may not yes. recover. So again, going back to the budget is if you have a budget and you have a category for spending in certain areas, then you can go to Amazon and you can find those deals there. But just don't allow Amazon to become a place where you just kind of go and see what's new. Uh, I had this experience the other day, David, when I was in uh, in Arizona for Thanksgiving with my parents. And I knew that, th that there was going to be, you know, Black Friday, Cyber oh, Monday yeah, and course. Prime Day and all that. 
And I thought, okay, there's something that I've been wanting to get. I've been wanting to stay more physically fit in the winter. I like to bike outdoors, but in the winter, it's too cold. I'm a fair weathered rider. (laughs) So I wanted to get like a spin uh, bike. And I'm literally looking at it right now. David just turned around to look at it. Yeah. But I I noticed it when I walked into the studio today, Leo. (laughs) So I found it. It's my Christmas present to myself. Uh, I did save for it. I did spend it out of my own income. Uh, I did not borrow to do it, but I spent... In fact, the funny thing is I spent probably six or seven hours reading interviews and just doing research to make sure I got the right one that I would like. But I'm going to tell you, man, when I was on there, it's like you get into a different mind frame where it's like this adrenaline rush of stuff. Like you're seeing all these deals and you're thinking, I could use that. I could use that. So we're just saying we're just like you guys. We're tempted just like you are. A budget helps you to overcome that. So be careful with Amazon. Don't let it become a category in your budget. All right. It's not a category in your budget. Seriously. And, and the incredible thing, and I love, 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 love what technology has done to make things easy to consume and mm-hmm. easy to connect with things that are interesting, yeah. things that you want. I, I do love how technology has done that. A technology does that with TV shows mm-hmm. where you're watching a show and it will recommend five different shows like that show. Yeah. Uh, technology does that with your YouTube channel where you're on YouTube and four new videos pop up Usually two out of the four actually relate. The other two are just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. what does that even have to do with this? But but the technology has allowed it to be where if you like this, you may like this. Mm-hmm. And Amazon is one of the best in the world, obviously, the yeah. best in the world probably at it when it comes to retailers, because that is their number one selling process is they have, oh, if you like this, people who usually buy this, bundle it with this. If you like this, check out these five categories. And then in those five categories, you've got 50 different items. And yeah. you click on one of those items and it links you to 50 more items in 10 different categories. And it is so um, amazing because I've discovered things that I didn't even know I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm <laughs> not like, sure wow. it's good, but right. it's amazing. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> but you've got to just go ahead and close that tab on your browser and say, you know what? I'm done shopping. Yeah. You let the, have the juices stop moving in your brain. Cause it feels good. It'll hit a, give you a oh, hit yeah. of dopamine. You're like, Oh, I just discovered something. No a million people have discovered that, uh, that object before you're not the first one. Right. And, and so this happens with Amazon. I think for you and I, Leo, we see this happen for people at Kohl's because Kohl's has a great rewards program oh, and yeah. they close and they shift things around at just the right times. I've seen people do this at Target where they go to Target every single week to look for something new. I've seen it happen on Groupon. Remember oh, back yeah. on Groupon oh, back yeah. in the day? Yeah. It, it, like Amazon is the new Groupon. And I know Amazon's way bigger than Groupon ever was, but there was a moment where Groupon caught everybody's attention. Yeah. Like, ooh, what's going to be the new thing? And so every day people were looking, that 24-hour deal, the countdown clock, all these different things. Marketers know how to sell stuff. And if you put yourself in front of marketers constantly, and Amazon, Groupon, Kohl's, Target, Home Depot, Best Buy, these are marketers. It's what they do for a mm-hmm. living. They sell products. And if you give them your attention, you will overspend. So no you doubt. have to cap that attention at some point. So number five is not having goals or at least specific enough goals. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had people say, Oh yeah, I've kind of got a goal to retire with a million dollars. And I'm like, that's a, okay. that's a dream. Yeah. It's a dream. Right. It's not a goal. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's actually put some plans in place and let's walk that out. What are some practical steps mm-hmm. uh, if you have a strong goal that you have actively said, this matters to me, 
I'm going to shift some things in my life to accomplish this. When you set a goal in place, it will change your behaviors. Yes. If you, if you communicate that goal to others, if you make it known, if you share it, and if you write it down and you put it in specific places around your home, you, mm-hmm. put, you find some strategic places where you write a visual, you put a visual down on your mirror uh, or maybe in your car right above your stereo or wherever it is that strategically when you wake up in the morning, you see that goal and it reminds you, okay, this is what I'm moving toward. There is power. There's power in goals. Mm -hmm. And when you write a goal down, you tell other people about it, you post it in strategic places, it will cause you to shift your behaviors. And so one of the reasons that we tend to overspend is because we don't have specific goals that motivate us away from the overspending. We're looking at, at the trinket on Amazon instead of pursuing that goal. Yeah, that's so true. When Natalie and I had the goal of paying off our home, I remember it was such a big goal to us that it was something we were working toward and we had set a date by when we wanted this mortgage to be paid. So every time we had, and this happened for, I mean, it took us eight years to pay it off, just under eight years. So we had plenty of moments when a new car would have been a good idea. All kinds of things came our way. But every time we did, we would ask ourselves, is this as important as paying off the house? And we'd always have to say, well, no, it's not. Paying off the house was more important. So it's having that goal that caused us to really think about it in a way that allowed us to stay on track. A goal acts as a check in your thinking. It's like a barrier you have to overcome or get over in order to proceed. So by putting that check, like barrier, that goal in your in your way, it stops you from just automatically doing something that would create overspending. So it just creates a barrier that you have to overcome. So it's not that it's automatically going to make you not spend. So it has to be specific enough and strong enough. And like David said, put some visuals in front of you mm-hmm. that remind you every day of the importance of accomplishing this goal. And I'm going to tell you, if you accomplish one goal, no matter how small it is, it'll give you the power to overcome another one and another and another. And I think setting goals is really the only way you'll stay on target with saving and really pursuing the financial goals that you have is the only way you're going to actually accomplish those is that those goals are specific and if you keep them in front of you. Yep. And then once you have the goal set, you have to build out really simple processes to help you get there. And I've been a part of organizations where everybody talked about a specific goal. Hey, mm-hmm. we're all, we're going to do this this year. This is a big deal for us. This means so much. And I would say it doesn't mean anything until we write it down and we build an action plan to get there. Right. And so for me, that's where the budget comes into place mm-hmm. because anytime I'm meeting with somebody, it's funny because you'll come to me with a number of different financial issues. Any given week, I'll, I'll hear two, three, four different things that somebody wants to talk about financially. And I can tell you that 99% of the time I'm saying, okay, let's go download the budget tool and begin to put this goal mm-hmm. or this question that you have into your budget. Yeah. Because if they don't have it in the plan, in the action plan phase, it's never going to go anywhere. So create the goal, write it down, tell people about it, put it in strategic places, and then build an action plan to get there. Yeah, that's good. So number six is not defining what is important and what can wait. And really, we're talking about potentially even getting into the emergency fund, right? It's so easy sometimes to talk yourselves into buying something because it's something that you could use, something that's important, something that would you know, maybe make your house look better or make you feel better. But if you don't have a plan on how to overcome that, you're going to fall into it. So what we want to do right here is define what an emergency is 
and what emergency is not. So that'll at least give you a little bit of framework to think about how to overcome these things. So when you're faced with, should I spend here? Hopefully something will trigger to say, well, this is really not an emergency. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest with ourselves. This is not yeah. an emergency. It would be nice to have, but it's not an emergency. Let's, instead of spending right now our emergency savings or going over budget, let's actually save. Make it a goal to save and get there over time. So here's some example of true financial emergencies uh, where it would make sense for you to use your emergency fund. Number one is having a job loss. Number one reason to have a, an emergency fund is in case you lose income. Yeah, that's that's really where it starts. That's why we recommend three to six months or more or more. Yep. Right. And we put this into our four financial steps for purposeful living. One, that you spend on purpose. Two, that you save before you spend. And three, that you increase your financial margin. Well, we talk about margin and we talk about having a stability fund in place. That's why we always go back to this three to six months, because if you're unemployed, it usually lasts three months. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be six months, depending on how much you make. The general rule of thumb in the career industry is that if you, for every $10,000 that you earn per year, anticipate it taking you a month to find a job. Mm. So if you earn $100,000 a year, anticipate that it will take you 10 months to find a job. If you earn $30,000 a year, anticipate that it'll take you three months to find a job. Now, for, for that same level of income. For that same level of income, yes. correct. Okay. And and of course, you know, you can pick up a, a lower paying job sure. and then quickly move back into your normal salary range when you find the right position. And if you're networking well and you have what I call career insurance, yeah. of course, all of this can be um, mitigated. Yeah. But, but it's a good general rule to think about. It's a good general rule. It's 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 something that people just don't realize. You know, if something goes wrong at my job, it's going to take a while for me to build the relationships and oh, yeah. find another position that will easily fit my skill set, earning the same amount of pay. Sure. So that's first and foremost, definitely an emergency. The second one would be an unexpected medical expense uh, that you would need to make sure you're maintaining your health. So this is going to be something that you want to have an emergency fund for. Also, sudden unexpected car breakdown or accidents. Now, we're not talking about maintenance here. We're talking about something that's not your typical, hey, I got to replace the tires every once in a while. I have to do some maintenance like tune-ups or oil changes. No, we're talking about something that maybe your transmission goes out and you have to spend $1,200 to get it rebuilt. Things like that. You want to make sure you have enough in there. That's an emergency. Yeah. Anytime that there's something sudden and unexpected with a major system in your home, like the air conditioner, uh, the roof, you get hail damage, maybe your insurance covers 90% of it, but you've got to do a 2% deductible, which mm -hmm. is going to charge a lot. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's an electrical system issue. These are unexpected things, and that's why you have the emergency fund in place. Yeah. Another one is a family member may pass away, and you'll need to purchase last-minute travel to go to the funeral. That could be literally hundreds of not over $1,000, depending on where the person lives. Also, a family may get hurt, and you may need to take some time off to take care of them. So now you've got potentially job loss, simulated job loss, because you're not going to have income while you're taking this extra time off. And at the same time, you've got to take care of this person. So you'll have to depend on your emergency fund to get through that. Yeah, I've seen this happen in my own family where there's a family member that needs help. And so another family member will either work less hours or mm -hmm. they will leave a job to take care of another family member. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the emergency fund or what we would call the stability fund is so key 
because it helps your life be stable through these huge bumps. Yes. When you get sick or a family member passes away, there's an emotional, physical toll on your body. And now at least the financial side will be covered so that you can go and grieve or you can go and find health. If it was a sickness issue, you can go and find health. So having the finances really makes it stable so that you can go through that emotional, difficult time with a lot less stress. Yes, absolutely. So here's some examples of what would not justify breaking into the emergency fund. (laughs) Here we go. Uh, And these are going to be a little bit funny, but the point is the reason we're going over these with you guys is to put those in the back of your mind so that as you're thinking about spending, you can say, is this an emergency or is this not an emergency? So let's go over some of these. And we've probably seen some of these happen in real life, Leo, whether people believe it or not. So that's (laughs) probably another reason why we toss some of these out. (laughs) Yeah. So here's number one, uh, an elective health care such as plastic surgery. Yeah, not an not emergency. emergency. <laughs> <laughs> you may want to get LASIK or something like that, but if it's three, four, five, eight thousand dollars $8,000, it's not an emergency. A set of glasses, maybe right. some contacts will get you through, and maybe you save for that. Yeah, it's just that's where you save mm-hmm. in your short to medium-term saving. Right. If you want an elective surgery, that's okay. Put it in the budget, have a plan in place, and get there at an appropriate time. But it's not an emergency. Oh, I woke up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I didn't like my nose. I'm going to use my emergency fund. No, 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 no. Not today, Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, An emergency is not a great deal on a cruise vacation. It's just not. (laughs) I know. Uh, But but Leo, it popped up on my phone, like on the alert, and it was so cheap. It was such a good deal. It felt like an emergency. Yeah. And you might feel like it's an emergency because you've been working so hard, but It's not an emergency. Let's just make it clear. It's not an emergency. Uh, The next one is a last minute request for you to fly to a destination (laughs) wedding. I love this one. Oh, man. So, yep. uh, You know, we decided we're going to elope and we're going to do it in Hawaii two weeks from now. And we'd love for you to join us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not happening. Unless you have a plan in place with money set aside for things like this, it is not an emergency. So it will not be coming from the emergency fund. Yeah, and just something about this that I think it makes us feel like we have an obligation to our friends. But realize that when it's going to cost you literally thousands of dollars potentially, that's not of what a friend would expect you to do. And if they do, you might want to question that friendship because that's you should not empty your emergency fund in order to go to their wedding. That's a one-day event that you'll probably forget two weeks from now. Yeah, and here's the thing. Over time, if you're a good steward, a good manager for a long time, and you have extra savings set up for fun, unexpected things, that's wonderful. But today we're talking about the emergency fund, and this is to help you be stable through a job loss or stable through the loss of a family member or stable through an illness. This is not to get you to the destination wedding. This is a little bit more general to our homes, which is something that we always tend to want to improve. Mm -hmm. And this is the fact that you want to replace your worn-out carpet in your home with hardwood floors. Because I watch Fixer Upper. That's right. I have to. That's right. It's not an emergency. It's a good upgrade, and it's something you potentially should save for, something that may be worth putting into your home, especially if you're going to stay there for a while. But it's not an emergency. Yeah. I feel like you're talking to me with some of these, like, watch out now. I mean, you watch enough Fixer Upper, and it's yeah. an investment, and I'm going to use my emergency sure fund to invest in it. No, nope. yeah. that's, where, that's where it becomes a problem. <laughs> Don't use the emergency fund for that. Uh, the next one is when your tires wear out on your car as normal wear and tear. Mm-hmm. This is a little tricky because it feels like, oh, well, of course that's an emergency. There's an issue with your tire. Well, it's not an emergency fund issue. This is a budgeting issue. 
this is something that should be in the budget from day one. We've got a category for maintenance and repairs, and you should be anticipating $400 worth of tires, depending on your vehicle, it could be $800 worth of tires. And it could be every two years, it could be every one year, it depends on how much you drive in any given year, look at how long your tires are rated for. Right. But no matter what, you've got to be setting money aside, because this is not an emergency. This is a normal budgeting issue. It's maintenance, it's wear and tear. Yeah. And the last one is you really want to buy that new TV for the Super Bowl, but didn't save enough. Not an emergency. Sorry, I know Super Bowl's coming soon, but it's not an emergency. Save for that. Maybe next Super Bowl, you'll be able to purchase it and have that Super Bowl party. Yeah, for probably the last, I want to say almost four years now, Ashley and I had been looking at new TVs. <laughs> and we, the first year, we were like, oh, we really want a new TV. Uh, we had been given a TV and we were super grateful for it. Um, it was older. It had, you know, a little scratch here, a little bit of issues. It took, it took, like 30 minutes to warm up where it actually looked really good. <laughs> wow. um, but, but it was okay. Like we were grateful and content, uh, but we said, okay, we want to, we want a TV next year. So we saved up cash and we got to the place where we were ready to buy one. And we thought, well, TVs just keep getting cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. And next year, if we just wait, we could probably get an even bigger TV for the same, same amount. amount of money. Yep. And we ended up delaying two years and being content with the television that we have yeah. had at the time. And then now, it was about a year ago now that we bought the TV. And it's funny because looking back, that same TV, it's like two-thirds of the price today, what it was last year. Exactly. I mean, it, like it's 30% off or 40% off. Yeah. TVs are moving so quickly at, you know, going down in price, bigger in screen, higher in quality. Uh, if you don't have enough money for your Super Bowl TV this year, it's okay. Be yep. content. Just be wait. grateful. And next year, if you save, you can probably do it. So that wraps up the not emergency list. So hopefully as you think about what is an emergency, what's not emergency, it'll help to create that barrier in your mind before you actually spend. Is this an actual emergency? How can I stay on track? And if it is something you want, here's the good thing. A budget will help you to save and put money aside for it so that a year from now or whenever, you can actually get it. Yep. Well, let's look at the seventh thing on our list of things that lead to overspending, and it is using credit cards. Mm. Uh, this is something that you'll hear Leo and I talk about all throughout getting money right, is credit cards are going to consistently lean you towards overspending. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're always going to overspend. It doesn't mean that credit cards are evil, mm -hmm. but it means that you need to be aware. Yes. The fact that you have access to money to buy and then not repay for 30 days, there's that grace window, it will cause your brain to not feel the pain of spending. Mm -hmm. You will swipe that card and on average, you will spend 12 to 18% more on any given category, mm -hmm. on groceries, on automobile related purchases, uh, on giving, on haircuts, whatever it is, you will naturally spend more on a credit card because you do not feel the pain. It, it anesthetizes the pain of spending because you have the grace period and you think, oh, it doesn't feel like real money. You're not actually taking cash out and watching that cash disappear. Right. So our recommendation for the holidays is that during the holidays especially, you go all cash. Mm. And Ashley and I have gone cash uh, this holiday season 
and and I everywhere that we've gone to pick stuff up. Now, I, I, besides Amazon, because you can't do cash on Amazon, yeah. but those are budgeted and planned for purchases. But if we go out to eat, if we go on a date night, uh, I've been carrying around cash, and every time I get to watch that $20 bill disappear, mm-hmm. and they bring back change, and I feel that purchase... So that at the end of the night, we're like, hey, we spent some good money tonight. So let's go do something free tomorrow night or let's, you know, find something inexpensive to do the rest of the week because you feel the pain. You see the money disappear and it changes your spending. Well, this is just a proven fact. So don't take our word for it. If you want to do some research and find this out, this has been proven through multiple testing that this is actually what happens with our brain, whether we use cash or whether we use plastic. So. Again, just if you can use cash, if you can discipline yourself to that, it will benefit you, no no doubt about that. So here's the number eight item that might cause you to go over in your spending, and that's food. And this is just simply just not planning. I think the worst thing about overspending in food is that we walk into a store, a grocery store or whatever, and we just don't have a plan in place. We just, we're hungry, we need to get food for the week, and we just go in. We don't have an actual plan. We're just taking stuff off the shelf as we think about what we'll need for the week. And there has to be a better plan than that if you're going to stay within a budget. Yeah, and you've always got to have a list when you go to buy food. You have to have a list on paper that you know this is what I'm going into the store for mm-hmm. and be line for those items. You know what you need, get in and get out. If you linger in the store, they are master marketers. They mm-hmm. know how to they know how to catch your attention. They know how to use flashing lights, yeah. big signs. They know what it takes. Yeah. There's certain aisles that I just don't even go down anymore. That's smart. I, I just <laughs> I don't. The ice cream aisle, forget about it. It's it's done. Oh, I, I'll only it. have ice cream if I go to an actual ice cream place and buy it, and it's yeah. one serving. Otherwise, if I buy a box of it, I'm in trouble. So, again, all of us are tempted by this. This is you know we we talked about the fact that we want pleasure and we want to avoid pain, right? So food is comforting. Food tastes great. We have to be careful. We have to make sure that we come in with a plan, and then if we do so, I think we'll be better equipped to stick with the plan that we made. I think the last thing before we close this episode is to talk about how can we learn from overspending. So today's the 24th of December. We've done all our shopping. We look at our budget at the end of the month and realize, gosh, we've gone over quite a bit. Mm, Maybe we'll do better next year. Hopefully that's not the approach we (laughs) take. One of the things that I love to do is when I make a mistake, which unfortunately happens quite a bit, I always try to look at the situation and say, is there something I can learn from this? And I think it's a good thing to do. I'm somewhat of a self-developer. I'm constantly looking at improving. So that's more instinct for me. But even if you're not, if you look at your budget this month and you realize that you've overspent or you know that you're consistently overspending in some areas, it's really important that you ask some questions. First of all, why did you spend money on what you spent? Like, look at what you actually spent and say, is this important to me? Is this of high value to me? If it was important, should you have not budgeted or saved for it? You know, should you have taken the money out of savings in order to do this? For instance, if you know you're going to buy gifts for certain people during the holiday season, right? Christmas gifts. Next year, make sure you're budgeting for that. Don't think, gosh, I hope I'll have the money. That's foolish. Make sure that you say, okay, I have eight people on my list and I'm going to spend $50 on each one of them. You should be budgeting $400 for next Christmas or more. So that's the idea is that if it's important to you, you should be budgeting for it. And then also ask what else is important uh, where we should be saving or budgeting for, right? Especially if you're, if you're married, sit down and think about 
when you approach the first of the year and you're creating or updating your budget, think about what you should be saving for, what you should be spending on. You know, everyone overspends from time to time. Sometimes it can't be helped. Most of the time it can. That's what a budget is for. Unfortunately, what's a tragedy is that we are doomed to repeat this behavior if we don't go far enough to understand the why and then learn from overspending. So my encouragement to all of us is let's look at when we overspend. Let's make sure we understand the why and let's put a plan in place to avoid it next time. That's right. And I think this really ties in well with the roots that we talked about in episode 98 and 99. Mm -hmm. When you're analyzing why you overspent, take some time to look at your heart and to say, okay, was there something where I was spending because of an issue with insecurity? Was I spending out of an issue with pride? Was there something I was afraid of? And so I felt like I had to buy the premium product or the most expensive because of some fear underlying. Is it something to do with idolizing somebody else's lifestyle? Mm. Look back at some of those roots and determine, okay, what is it that's at the root of this overspending? Because the overspending is the symptom. It's kind of the fruit that's coming out of the plant. Right. But you've got to go and dig those roots out. And I think that's the best thing that you can do. If you do nothing else this holiday season, when you look back at all your spending and you look back at the budget at the end of the month and you say, okay, what happened in December? A, I hope that you've been listening to Getting Money Right for a couple of years now and yeah. that you look at it and think, oh, I, I executed everything I planned. I had a great holiday time because I got to spend time with family. I had enough money for gifts. I had enough money for food. We had a New Year's Eve party. We had a Christmas Eve party. It was wonderful. I hope that is what happens. But if you're on the flip side of this, where you're starting this journey and you look at the finances at the end of the month and you say, oh man, like what happened? I overspent on gifts, I overspent on going out, I overspent on events, and now is the time to do some introspective thinking and say, okay, was some of this related to some insecurity? Was some of it related to some form of fear or idolization in your life? Go back and listen to 98 and 99, pull those roots out, begin to heal those roots, because then next year you really can have a merry, merry Christmas and a happy, happy new year. All right. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Getting Money Right. And I truly hope that you will rate, review and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on your Android device. We now have over 194 ratings, five-star ratings <laughs> on the iTunes store. So please uh, be 195 and 196 and get us up to 200. We would love to see us go over 200 five-star ratings. And I'm just looking at some of the people that wrote reviews. And uh, you know, this podcast has been a game changer. Absolutely love listening to these guys. Uh, thank you, B. Scott. Uh, absolutely love this podcast from Ariel Jimenez. Uh, my husband and I just finished paying off all of our credit card debt in October of 2019, and it feels amazing. Wow. Um, another one of these saying, I can't thank you guys enough for the 100th episode. Uh, these episodes have consistently helped me and guided me through some tough times. Thanks again. Uh, a friend Scott S. on here says, money causes tremendous stress, either too much or too little. Uh, it all comes down to stress. And he says that this podcast has helped with the uneasiness and to help with critical conversations around finances. And there's basically almost another hundred written reviews on there. I think it's like in the eighties. So go on there, just write a short written review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Put five stars if you're on Apple or iTunes. If you're listening on Spotify or you're listening on CastBox or you're listening on Google Play. Stitcher. Uh, yeah, there, Stitcher. You can usually heart an episode or you can 
can comment near an episode. That also helps drive the algorithms. So every episode you download, every time you listen to an episode, it's benefiting the show. So thank you very much. But the most important thing is that you go out and you share this with other people. Mm-hmm. Find an episode that's really going to serve someone well. I think episode 98 and 99 with the roots was so powerful mm. and it's something that you don't hear most places. So go share 98, 99. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're really passionate about investing and helping people save long-term go back and look at our investing series. It was right before the roots and fruit stuff. Find an episode that hit your heart well and share it with somebody. Share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram. Uh, just send an email, text a friend, share the link. We really appreciate it. We love interacting with you on social media and Facebook and seeing other people connect with the podcast. It's been really inspiring for us. And so I hope that as you continue on this journey, you'll check out leosebo.com to download the budget tool, the debt reduction plan, come over to stewardshippastors.com. Check out the book, Jesus on Money. It is coming very soon. And I can tell you guys, the more that I have put this thing together, the more excited I've gotten about it. This is one of those things that um, it is going to be so eye-opening to really look exactly at the words. What did Jesus say Mm. about money? about being a good manager, about being a disciple, and how does that change the way that we manage? It's a really cool Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. So check out Jesus on Money. You can see more video resources and tools uh, there on that website if you want to help your church begin a stewardship ministry. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we we can keep getting money right. So hopefully as you think about what is an emergency, what's not an emergency, it'll help to create that barrier in your mind before you actually spend. Is this an actual emergency? How can I stay on track? And if it is something you want, here's the good thing. A budget will help you to save and put money aside for it so that a year from now or whenever, you can actually get it. Mm-hmm.